Bless the Lord. Let's just, let's love on Jesus for a second. Amen, amen, amen. I appreciate your hand clap, but he deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all the majesty. I'm not here because I deserve to be here. I'm here because I got the night off. I'm here because he's gracious and kind. And if you're wondering what I'm doing up here, I wonder sometimes too. But he's good and he's gracious and he's kind and he's loving and he's faithful and he's merciful and he's generous. And those words fall short of who he really is. So let's, uh, let's gather around the word today. Let's open in prayer. Father, you do love us. But sometimes your love can be really strong. Sometimes it can be confusing because we can say, what, what's going on? I don't understand. But you're there. It says that you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. You're with us when we're feeling good about ourselves and you're with us when we don't feel very good about ourselves. You're with us and you love us. You loved us even when we didn't love you back. You loved us. You loved us enough to constantly pursue us when we rejected you and say, no, that's crazy. I don't want that. But you kept coming at us because your love is persistent. And so, Lord, we're going to bask in your love today. And so, Lord, we're going to ask for your grace to minister the word, hear the word, live the word, share the word, and do all according to your good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. We've all heard the saying, desperate times call for desperate measures. We can look all around the world now and discern that the corruption in the world is due to the rejection of God, his ways, and his laws. We can look at the world and say it's crazy. And yes, when a, when a society or a people reject God, turn God away, push God out of the marketplace, push him out of government, push him out of schools, push him out of church, and then we wonder why people are crazy. Because the only thing that keeps man sane is God. And now, you don't have to follow God or know God to understand that even his Ten Commandments of what keep a society sane. And yet when you reject that, when you tear down plaques or monuments that would even that glorify God or say things of God and you say, well, that's, that's uh, separation of church and state or all these things that we say, or you'll tear down a statue that would glorify God, but you'll resurrect a statue of Satan and then wonder why we're in the crazy state that we're in When you'll kill a baby in the womb and then make, a, make a, a law or a way that, well, maybe in the womb is enough. Maybe we need seven days more to think about it when the child's out of the womb. That's insane.
when we don't value life. That's insane. When we judge people according to their usefulness or not usefulness, that's, that's a shame. And so we see that desperate times call for desperate measures. Well, while desperate times call for desperate measures, God is looking for people that are desperate for him. So you could be a religious person that just shows up and, you know, all right, I'm going to go through the motions, but then I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my thing. Or you can be a person that, that calls out to God and say, I am in such a desperate need of you in my life to do something in me because, Lord, I need you desperately. And so for de in the desperation of our times, we need people that are going to be desperate for God in these times because God is looking for an end-time people to be able to do exploits for the kingdom of God. God is looking for people that are going to be so filled with faith, fearless faith, <clears throat> that they're willing to suffer rejection and persecution for the name of the Lord. They're willing to be uncomfortable with the name, carrying the name of Jesus. And what do you mean being uncomfortable carrying the name of Jesus? That when you speak it and the rejection comes your way or the ridicule comes your way or the mockery comes your way, you stand your ground. And you understand that that's all to the glory of God, that, you, that, that he counts you worthy to suffer for the name. And so for desperate times, call for desperate measures and God is looking for a desperate people that are desperate for him. See, his people need to become desperate for him and for him to purify them to become useful for his purpose in the earth today. In September, I had preached a message called Captives in the Kingdom, and I illustrated that there are two ways that you can raise your voice. One is in frustration, which is outward, and aimed at others close to you. Ah, things just ain't going my way. Ah, this and that. Or, ah, I'm not making enough money. Ah, I don't like my job. Ah, you know. We, we just get frustrated. And that is always aimed at others in a hurtful way. But then there's another way, way to raise your voice, and that is in desperation, which is upward towards God and is focused on God doing something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. That's desperation. See, if you're tied with the way that you're you're living or there's things in your life that you so want to see God take out of your life, you have to become desperate for God to do something in your life that you cannot do for yourself. That's desperation. That's where I'm not going to let go of you, God, until you change me. That's desperation for God. That's not asking God to forgive you, knowing that you're going to do it again and keep living on that insanity wheel. See, King David prayed such a prayer. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 139. For time's sake, I'm not going to read the whole psalm. It's 24 verses long. But I would like to focus on the last two verses. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. 
And it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. See, King David's desperate prayer to gave God permission to invade three areas of his life. His heart, his thoughts, and his walk. See, if your heart isn't right and your thoughts aren't right, your walk won't be right. And if your heart's not right, it's going to have an effect on how you live. If your thoughts aren't right, it's going to have an adverse effect on how you act. And if your walk isn't right, then, then there's weakness in you and there's no, there's no um, true witness of who God is in your life. And so we have to look at this because this is a really dangerous prayer to pray. See, dangerous prayers are good, but they're also dangerous. See, if you pray a dangerous prayer to God, that's, that's good. And God is going to do something dangerous in your life and going to, if, if God says, okay, I'm going to honor that prayer, because we sometimes think that God isn't dangerous, but God is dangerous. And I'm not saying this in a scary way to scare you off of God, but we we sometimes make God out to in our own image that you know he's he's gentle and he's kind and he's you know he's loving and he's faithful and he's all of those things, but he's also dangerous. The Bible says that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And if you read the prophets. And, and the things that they went through for God, they lived a dangerous life. And then they died horrible deaths, but yet they still held on to what, who God was in their life. And they talked against the society and, what, and, the, and the sin and the wickedness, and they talked over uh, governmental wickedness and these things, and they were persecuted in ways that we look and we're like, Wow. but yet they were able to allow God to be dangerous in their life so that they could be dangerous in society that's in danger of going to hell. They lived in such a way that it caused emotions in man to become enraged. See, we want everybody to like us. I don't know about you, but not everybody's going to like us. And that's, a, that's not, Jesus didn't come to the earth so that people would like him. Jesus came to the earth so that people would be offended by who he is. And so we have to understand that praying a, a dangerous prayer can cause things in our life to all of a sudden become shaken 
and could become, uh, become in a whirlwind or something like this. But we have to understand if we're going to be a desperate people for God, we've got to allow God to invade areas of our life that we feel uncomfortable or guarded on against. I, you know, um, here's what David says. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Whoa. It's hard for us to fathom what is truly in our heart. And sometimes when, when there's things in our heart and we go, whoa, and, and what the immediate thing is to, I want to hide that. I want to hide that thing that's in my heart. And yet, if we're going to pray a prayer of search me, O God, and know my heart, what God wants to do is go into the recesses of our heart where we don't want him to go in even knowing that it's going to cause tremendous pain in our life. Allowing God to do open heart surgery to get out the things in our life that cause us to be tripped up, that cause us to fail, that cause us to not live closer to him and to the glory of God. If we are desperate for God to have his way in our lives, the best place for God to start is with our heart. Why our hearts? I'm glad you asked. Two reasons. First of all, the Bible says this in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. It says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick or desperately wicked. Who can understand it? He said, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. So why our hearts? Because our hearts are deceitfully and desperately wicked. See, but I'm born again. I'm filled with the Spirit. Yes, but our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we would be fulfilling passions that would shame us to no end, even destroy us. But those things are still in our heart. And if we want to have an honest relationship with God, we have to give God permission to invade our heart. And sometimes when he invades our heart and the things that are in there, the the Initial response is now to draw away from God. Say, okay, that's enough. Or, or you're getting too close. Or I don't want you to go in there. Or I don't like that. But it's in your heart. And if we don't allow God to go places that we don't want him to go or don't allow him to go, how can we call him God? How can we say, God, you're all I need, or, or whatever we, we platitudes that we give to God, and then we and then we we try to hide from Him the areas of our heart that we don't like, but we don't want Him to see what we already knows that He sees. We just sang, "Oh, how He loves us," and He does love us. He loves us when we're at our best, and He loves us when we're at our worst. He loves us when we're on the mountaintops, and He loves us when we're in the valley. He loves us when there's laughter on our lips and he loves us 
we're in the throes and the pains of life and we sometimes feel that he doesn't love us, but he loves us more than. And so we have to, if we're going to be a desperate people in this time, we have to allow God to invade our heart. We have to give him permission to do open heart surgery. We have to give him permission to place a wrecking ball on our heart. What's the second reason why, why our hearts? Because all of our life flows from the issues of our heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So the heart is the center of your being. And so if it's the center of your being and, and God wants to have his throne, he wants to have his place in your heart, knowing what's in your heart, he still wants into your heart. And he wants lordship over the things in your heart that you want to hide, things in your heart that you want to deny. He wants place in your life that you would so willing in a, in a relationship to him say, invade my heart. It's a scary prayer because you know what? I don't even know what's in my heart. And the things that I do know that is in my heart that causes me pain and shame, it's even those things, those, those are the surface things. We want God to go deep into our heart and eradicate everything that is not of God. And so we're almost, God bless you, by the way, We're asking God to be dangerous in our life. We're asking him to shake us. We're asking him to break us. We're asking him to place his heavy hand upon us. Why? So that he can mold us and make us more into the image of his son. And so that we can, we can even have more of the Holy Spirit. We can have more of a purified life. We can have more of the capacity of who Jesus is. We can understand lo the Lord in a deeper way. And when we say, oh, how he loves us, and when he goes into our heart and he begins to, to purge the things in our heart that are not right, and still understanding when we come out on the other end, we can still sing even with even more abandonment that, oh, how he loves us. So we have to pray dangerous prayers to be a dangerous people in a dangerous time to do exploits for God. If our heart is not right, our life is not right with God and it's not right with others. The cry of the desperate begins with God having full access to our hearts. The next one, it says, so it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. But then it says, try me and know my anxious thoughts. And as I was looking at that, I said, what's the difference between our common thoughts and our anxious thoughts? I thought that was a good question. I even patted myself on the back for that one. <laughs> but what's the difference? Why, why did he say, why didn't he just say, try me and know my thoughts? Why did David say, try me and know my anxious thoughts? 
Well, because if you think of your common thoughts is when you get up in the morning and say, oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Where am I going? And when I get there, what do I got to do? How's my kids? How's my wife? Do I have enough gas in the car? You know, our common thoughts. Those are common thoughts. And he didn't say in here, David didn't say, try me and know my sinful thoughts. Why did David say, try me and know my anxious thoughts? So I had to stop. I had to think, and that's dangerous. But I had to wait to get an understanding of what God was saying here. And so why did David say, try my anxious thoughts? Well, what are anxious thoughts? First of all, anxious thoughts are me-focused. See, when I have anxious thoughts, I'm more consumed by what is going on in my life and what is happening to me at the moment and what I'm suffering and the things that I'm going through that anxious thoughts are consumed with self. I even begin to have a little bit of a pity party because of my being focused on what's going on around me that's not good. Anxious thoughts are hyper-focused on problems. We become so focused on the negative things that are going on in our life and the anxiety that it caused us that we become so fixated on the problems that we're, we're unable to look beyond what's going on at the moment, it consumes us. And so, first it's me focused, then it's hyper focused on what on the problem. And then I'm overwhelmed with thoughts of worry, defeat, doubt, and dread. Well, what makes me have anxious thoughts? It could be any little thing in our life. It could be a surprise thing that shows up on your checking account that you weren't prepared for. And now it offsets your budget. Whoa. It could be blue and red lights behind you. <laughs> That'll do it. It could be trouble in your marriage. It could be trouble in your home. It could be trouble with your children. It could be a bad report from the doctor. It can be a myriad of things, but you become hyper-focused on it. And it begins to, you begin to be overwhelmed with thoughts of worry, defeat, doubt, and dread. It also exacerbates self-talk. You know you're struggling with anxiety when you're talking over, about your problem. You're talking more to yourself about your problem than you're talking to God about your problem. It exacerbates self-talk. You're talking about your problem. You're worrying about your problem. You're angry over your problem. You're angry over the situation. You're angry at the person that may have caused your situation. You're taking no responsibility for your role in the situation, but, you, but it exacerbates negative self-talk. And then you wonder why you feel so heavy, so defeated, so discouraged, so depressed, so angry. It breeds feelings of anger, resentment, and bitterness. 
So this is why David said to God, try me and know my anxious thoughts. He's beginning to bring God into the area of his life where he knows right now. He's saying, could David have suffered from anxiety? Don't we all? At some point in our life, we're going through the fire. There's things going on in our life that we have no control over. Grief or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, we're filled with these thoughts of anxiety um, and, 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 and all of these things that begin to happen. And it breeds feelings of anger, resentment, and bitterness. So why did David ask God to try his thoughts? Well, if we look at the Hebrew word for, for this try, what's, why try my, why, why was it try my anxious thoughts? Why isn't it see my anxious thoughts or know my anxious thoughts? Why did he say try me and know my anxious thoughts? Why the word try me? And so the Hebrew word for it is bakan. And it means to investigate, to examine, to prove, or to test as you would with metals. So in other words, what he's saying here is, is here's my, here are my thoughts. Investigate these thoughts. Examine these thoughts. Prove these thoughts. Um, purify these thoughts. And so... The word try means for God, he's giving God permission to come into the places of his life now, not only his heart, but now the places of anxiety. See, you think, well, because I'm suffering anxiety right now, I'm defeated. No, you're not. Have you let God in? We become so consumed with worry. We become so consumed with doubt. We hear more the voice of the enemy than we do the voice of God. And at that point, we don't, want the, we don't want the voice of God. What we want is the hand of God because we need God to go into this place and deal with our anxious thoughts, deal with our anxiety, deal with our worry, deal with our doubt, deal with our defeat, deal with our dread. Deal with us so that we can get back to a place of peace. And so anxious thoughts hinder our ability to trust God to acknowledge God, or even to discern truth. I want to say that again. Anxious thoughts hinder our ability to trust God because what are anxious thoughts? It's me focused. I become so overwhelmed with what's going on with me, in me, and around me that, I, that, I, that I'm forgetting who I am, whose I am. And so anxious thoughts hinder our ability to trust God to acknowledge God, or to even discern truth. The last thing that David says, see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of, and lead me in the everlasting way. I want to look at this. You mean I have a hurtful way? I mean, you have a hurtful way? Well, let me know how you're doing the next time somebody cuts you off. Let me know how you're doing when somebody is not nice to you. 
Let me know how it is when you wake up in a bad mood. Let me know how it is when people don't measure up to your expectations. Let me know how you are when you say something hurtful to your spouse or to your child or to a stranger. And so David is acknowledging that I have hurtful ways, Lord. And he says here, see if there be any hurtful way in me. And we have to ask ourselves this. How does my walk hurt God? Pastor Rick masterfully spoke about grieving the Holy Spirit on Sunday with tears in his eyes when he spoke about David, when David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And so the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, am I living in a way that makes God happy or sad? Do I say things or do things that literally hurt God? And if I'm hurting God, then I have to ask God, whom I've hurt, to come in and deal with my hurtful ways. If you truly want change, God has to come into these places of our life. He has to come into our heart. He has to come into our thoughts. And now he has to come in and correct my walk. So how does my walk hurt God? How does my, how does my walk or my talk hurt others? Do I say things in such a way that tear people down? When, am I, when I'm hurt by someone close to me, am I quick to return the hurt? Or do I absorb it? Do I seek revenge? Do I seek vengeance? Am I the type of person that doesn't let others take advantage of me or get one over on me? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. That's the way of the world. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was brought before his accusers, he didn't even open his mouth. Matter of fact, he stood there and he allowed them to slap him and beat him and spit on him. And he took it. And he didn't return the hurtful things they were doing to him. See, if we can live and we can get so full of Jesus in that way that when others hurt us, we have the grace and the strength of character to keep our mouth shut. And so, when David asked, see if there be any hurtful way in me. If my walk hurts others, I'm walking in, a, I'm walking in hypocrisy and lies. If my way is such a way that it, that it doesn't witness to who Jesus is in my life, I'm hurting God. And I'm damaging my testimony. And I'm walking in weakness and already defeat. And so if we're going to pray a dangerous prayer, we have to let God look at these three areas of our life, our heart, our thoughts, and our walk. In closing, the reason I need God to have full access to my life is summoned up, is summoned up in this scripture. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself 
to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. That's a beautiful scripture. That's a powerful scripture. We have to be walking such a way. We have to let God invade us in such a way that he changes our heart. He calms our thoughts. And he changes our walk so that we walk like Jesus did and we draw people to him instead of people saying, you're a Christian? People who come up to us and say, what's different about you? Or say something. I remember, and I'm not, I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm not, self-praise stinks and, 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 and self-glory stinks. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to do that. Today, as I was working as, at, at the job, and we were all working together, we were painting, painting the hallway, and um, I don't know how it come about, but the girl that I was working with, she said to me, you know, we were working together a year, a year ago, or two years ago, and she said, on the first day that we were supposed to work together, it was, uh, I was working a day shift because um, the head custodian had, had gone on vacation, and she had to call me the night before and said her son was in the hospital. And I said, let me pray for you. And she said, I still, to this day, have never forgot it. I could have just said, when picked up the phone, oh, I'm not going to be, all right, no more problem, I got it. Oh, yeah, okay, thanks for letting me know. But she says, I never forgot that you took the time to pray for me. You see, our walk is valuable. Our words are valuable. And our life can be of such value to God if we allow him to invade the areas of our hearts. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we want to be a dangerous people in a dangerous world to do dangerous things for God. And Lord, I'm asking you to change our prayer life so that we can pray dangerous prayers to let you in and do things in our life that so alter our life. And we may have to go through pain in the process, but the pain in the process, is, is the hand behind it is a loving hand. The hand behind it is a good hand. It's a beautiful hand. And God, do something in our lives that we cannot do on our own. That we would give glory to Jesus and that we would stop hurting you. And we would draw people to the kingdom, to Jesus and to salvation. That we would be people that even would be able to lay hands on the sick in the marketplace and see them made well that we will walk with such an anointing more than we have now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.